You're listening to a special message from Pastor John D. Scott, Global Missions Pastor of Celebration Church. For more information about Elevate Church, please visit us online at www.elevatechurch.ms. All right, how are we doing, Elevate Church? We're doing good? Yeah. Hey, tell the person sitting next to you how excited they should be since they're sitting next to you. Yeah, tell them they should be real excited about that. Hey, if you don't know me, my name is Robert Andrews. I'm one of the pastors here at Elevate Church, and I am really glad that you are here today. Uh, If you're joining us for the first time or if you're just a member, I want you to know that you're really in for a special treat today. Uh, Our church has four overseers. We have four overseers who really kind of hold me accountable, make sure that we're doing everything that uh, God would have us to. And one of those individuals' name is John David Scott. He uh, is actually on staff at Celebration Church in uh, Jacksonville, Florida. It's raining out there, so y'all going to have to make a lot of noise. Uh, But anyway, uh, he is actually uh, real special to me. Let me tell you why. Um, uh, Many of y'all know that I didn't have a father growing up, and so when I was a teenager, uh, there was this one guy, one guy who really, uh, who really invested in my life, uh, even though I was a punk kid. And uh, his name is John David, and he's here. And when you see John, you're going to see that, um, you know, he's a pretty tall guy. He's a pretty big guy. And so when I was a teenager, I liked to play basketball. I really did. And I thought I was real good at it. And so I really thought that I could kind of drive through him when I was going to the lane to play, uh, you know, to, 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 to ball or whatever. But uh, he is uh, much larger than I am. And so, unfortunately, many times uh, it would be me on the ground uh, when we were playing basketball. So, anyway, John Davis is going to come. He's going to give us the word today, and so y'all make him feel welcome as he comes. Excited. Thanks. He didn't tell that story about how he blamed me for a broken arm he got while on church property playing basketball. So uh, we had a lot of good times. Well, my name's John. It's great to see you. Um, my wife, Rachel's with me today, and we're just really glad and proud of everything happening here at Vicksburg at Elevate Church. Can you deal with the rain? Is it okay? It only happens at 11 o'clock every day. I mean, we should be used to it by now, right? Um, I'm a Mississippi boy myself. I'm from a forest on Highway 35 South, exit 88, about 91 miles from here, and uh Love, love, love what's happening here at Elevate. And um, I, like Pastor Robert said, I'm on staff at Celebration Church in Florida. I'm the global missions pastor and uh, had a few different roles over the years, things like youth pastoring and stuff like that. And um, I uh, got a picture of my family here. So that's my uh, two daughters and my mustached wife um, there on the screen, if you can see. And... Um, that's from Father's Day a year ago. Annika is seven, Trinity's five. We just served as six years um, as missionaries in Ireland. So the next slide shows a few things from there. So that's us on top of a mountain in Scotland uh, where God lives. And then there's a few pictures of the kids and myself. I even, they got me to wear a kilt one time and uh, nobody came to church the next week because of my legs. But uh, we, we loved it there. And um, really love what God has done through our lives, and we've seen him be so faithful, and I'm sure you've seen God be faithful in your life as well. If you can't think of anything, you can think of Elevate Church and Pastor Robert, and uh, we like to say we were, yeah, absolutely. Um, so 
Yes, I'm going to tell some stories about him today, okay? That's going to happen. It's another reason to overcome the rain, right? Um, but really thankful for Pastor Robert. Over the years, uh, he, was, uh, he helped officiate my wedding when I got married. He got married before I did, even though I was his youth pastor. Uh, he had such a great youth pastor that taught him so much about relationships that he surpassed me. And uh, we really love Amanda, appreciate her and Sadie and Brianna, such great kids, and told Sadie she's still the baby for a day or two more. And uh, Amanda is ready. She is ready to pop, as I've ever seen anybody ready to pop. So we're in prayer for them. So we had agreed a few months ago to come out this week just in case she was a little bit early and uh, also take a chance to come see my mom over in Forest. So um, do love Pastor Robert. I really do thank him, appreciate him as a pastor, as a friend. Uh, over these past 23 years of life. You didn't even know he was that old, did you? Um, and I just really appreciate him. And I love the work your team and your staff and your pastors are doing here at Elevate Church. And man, we just thank God for you. You're doing a great job, Pastor Robert, and all the team here. Put your hands together for Pastor Robert and the team here at Elevate. This is not normal. Come on now, I'm a Mississippi boy. I know what's normal in Mississippi. What's normal is about three rows over there of people, and, and half of them asleep, okay? And the other half is their grandkids they brought and, and pulled by the ear. I, I popped in on your kids' ministry back there. They're, they're, they're worshiping. They're loving God. They're being taught to put God first. It's so good what's happening here at Elevate. Elevate. If you turn to Acts chapter 11, I'm going to have the scriptures on the screen as well. I used the, um, the NASB today. But... um. I'm going to go through a, a word I really feel like I have for you as a church, and it's an honor that the board and leaders of the church here have really entrusted people like myself to encourage Pastor Robert and encourage you and pray. For, we pray for you weekly. Uh, I talked to Pastor Robert quite a bit over the last several years and uh, always chimed in whenever he had a few questions or ideas. I'd ask him for ideas because, like I said, what you're doing is amazing here. So, so thankful. So Acts chapter 11. Now, and, and whenever I, um, I might need some help reading this. If I say, say it with me, it's probably in bold and you can just say it with me. Okay. So, now the apostles and the brethren who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those who were circumcised took issue with him. So church people had a problem with Peter and this is their problem. They said, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. In other words, he ate with Gentiles, lost people, people far from God. But Peter began speaking and proceeded to explain to them in orderly sequence, saying this. I was in the city of Joppa praying. So this is the reason he went. He, had, he was praying, and in a trance, say it with me, I saw a vision. Okay, thank you, all four of you that helped me out there. It's so great. Um, an object coming down like a great sheet lowered by four corners from the sky, and it came right down to me. And when I had fixed my gaze on it and was observing it, I saw the four-footed animals of the earth and the wild beast and the crawling creatures and the birds of the air. I also heard a voice saying to me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. So basically, God is inviting him to an all-you-can-eat buffet at Barry's on Highway 49 South in McGee. I went there last night. So if you see me sweating, it's meat sweat. It's not just sweat from this. This is oyster. This is shrimp. Anyway, God is lowering this sheet. Who's been to Barry's? Raise your hand. Come on, tell the truth. 
That's worth the drive. I don't care where you're from. I drove an hour to get there. And they play Jesus music everywhere. My wife said it's like, why am I at the keyboard? Um, my wife said it's like hallelujah. It's like heaven. They're playing uh, nonstop worship songs, all-you-can-eat buffet. You just want to stay there. Um, and just, I, But you can't stay there. They won't let you. I tried. Um, get up, Peter. Kill and eat. But I said, by no means, Lord, for nothing unholy or unclean has ever entered my mouth. They weren't allowed to eat um, a pig. They weren't allowed to eat pork. They weren't allowed to eat any shrimp or unclean things in their diet. But a voice from heaven answered a second time saying, what God has cleansed, no, no longer consider unholy. This happened three times. So three times God had to tell him that you had to put down some of your restrictions. You got to put down some of your um, preferences. And everything was drawn back into the sky. Verse 11. And behold, say it with me. At that moment, three men appeared at the house in which we were staying, having been sent to me from Caesarea. The Spirit told me to go to them without misgiving. So Peter is explaining why he went into a house full of lost people that his previous religion, Judaism, would not allow him to go into. So he's telling them why. He said, the Spirit told me to go with them without misgivings. These six brethren, so six other guys, also went with me, and we entered the man's house. The man's name is Cornelius. And he reported to us, Cornelius, how he had seen an angel standing in his house. So Peter's had a vision. Cornelius also had a vision, and the vision Cornelius had was an angel saying, send to Joppa, have Simon, who is also called Peter, brought here. Verse 14, and he will speak words to you by which you will be saved, say it with me, you and all your household. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, just as he did upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he used to say, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. In the last two verses. Therefore, if God gave to these people the same gift as he gave to us also, after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, say it with me, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they quieted down and glorified God, saying, Well then, God has granted the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. Today i got a message for you. Really feeling it's about trusting God and continuing to have faith regardless of what season of life you're in. And I've entitled this message, Dreams That Change Everything. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for these precious people who came out today to worship you right before the first week of school, in the middle of rain, still seeking you, still trying to find you, still trying to see you work in their lives. We ask you to speak to every one of us right now, and you move in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. So there's two dreams, dreams that change everything. Two people have dreams. A church man, Peter, one of the apostles, one of the disciples, and then Cornelius, who's a centurion, a Roman soldier who has gone up high in the ranks to be over the Italian regiment. So he'd been a violent man. He had a lot of past behind him. And Cornelius also had a dream. And in his dream, God told him to go get Peter. So he sends for Peter. It's a great passage of scripture. And if you read the book of Acts, the book of Acts is not about just a history of all the disciples. 
It's not the disciples writing this big monument to themselves. It's kind of how you know it's the Holy Spirit inspired. If it was just the disciples inspired, they would try to make themselves look so good. But throughout the book of Acts, it doesn't just really trace the disciples. It traces the movement of the church. If you read Acts chapter 1, verse 8, God tells them to go out, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And when you read Acts, what you see is it begins at Jerusalem, goes out to Judea, Samaria, the next place over, and then goes out straight to Rome. So the book of Acts is this whole book which contains the history of the church moving forward, going out to the ends of the earth. In this part of Acts, Acts chapter 11, the church had not gone very far. They were still reaching people who, used to, who were Jewish. They were still reaching Jewish people in Jerusalem and in Judea and even bouncing out to Samaria a little bit. And so in this part of Acts, we start to, this is a big pivot in the whole book because you know the last half of the book is Paul going all over the place, taking boats, getting stoned, not recreationally, but by uh, trying to be killed by people, uh, shipwrecking, all that kind of stuff. You're just like, wow, I didn't know that was in the Bible. Uh, all these things are happening to Paul, and he's going to dozens of cities, and you see the church moving forward. But up until this point, that hadn't happened. The church had been kind of stuck reaching one group of people, and it was good, but God had more for Christianity, including me and you, because chances are our lineage doesn't trace back to Jerusalem. So God wanted to reach more people. So he uses these dreams to inspire some people to move from where they are to where he wants to take them, to where he wants to reach people. And I love how he speaks to Cornelius first. And he has this, Cornelius has this dream. If you look at verses 11 to 14, you see what Cornelius, what happens in Cornelius' life. So the dream Cornelius has, verse 11, at that very moment, three men stood before the house where I was. So this is, and, and, and he talks about Cornelius' dream. Having been sent to me from Caesarea, the Spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered the man's house, Cornelius. And this is what Cornelius told him. Get this. And he told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house who said to him, Send men to Joppa, call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. So we see here Cornelius has a dream. He just wants him and his household to be saved. He's heard about some things God has done in Jerusalem, but he's in Caesarea. He's far from Jerusalem. He's heard about what God's done for one group of people, religious people, but he's, he's a rugged man. He's a man's man. He probably wore Carhartts when he was home on the weekend uh, from battle. He's, he's working hard at his house. He's probably got problems. He may have been the Italian centurion regiment leader, but when he got home, his kids probably didn't listen to him. We don't care who you think you are. We know the real you. We know better than you. Maybe, maybe his wife was, was sick. Maybe his, his parents were ailing. Maybe someone in his family had addictions. So the word of God in chapter 10 says that he cried out every day. For God to change his house. I don't know if you know what that feels like. To have a dream 
for God to change you and your whole household. I uh, graduated high school in 1993. That kind of dates me. Anybody else in 1993? Come on. Come on. Everybody wanted to be us, 1993. All right. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air was a senior that year. So was, uh, so was them one guy, Saved by the Bell and um, Melrose or 90210. All of them wanted to be us. All, everyone else wanted to be us. If you're younger than that, you wanted to be us, especially if you're 94 or 95. All right. So, but in 93, we won the uh, state championship in football in 92, my senior year. So I, I love playing football. It was kind of a thing. And that year, as we graduated, we had that thing everybody has at graduation. You probably had it in your yearbook. Most likely to. Did you have that? I, looking back 25 years, I wish we would have had some bets. I wish we would have laid down some money on who's going to fulfill their most likely to senior prophecy. I found 10 good ones, and I think this was probably about my, somebody must have known my senior class, because I found 10 of the best most likely to. How about this, number 10? Most likely to appear in an episode of Cops. Come on. You know somebody like that, all right? If you don't know somebody, it might be you, all right? Number nine, most likely to be that guy that makes loud noises while working out at the gym. My wife looks at me, that's me. Number eight, the guy who always takes a penny but never leaves a penny, all right? Number seven, that guy who preserves his high school football jersey so he can show it to everyone even though he'll never make it to the NFL, that wasn't me. I didn't keep my high school jersey, okay? Number six, that person that will be interviewed at random on TV while wearing overalls and no shirt. Most likely to. Will one day own four cars, none running, all in his front yard, hidden by grass. Most likely. Number four, most likely to drive in the left lane with her blinker on going 45 miles an hour all the way down the interstate. Somebody's looking at their wife right now, and they're not going to eat today. Number three, most likely to believe that flip-flops are formal attire. Come on, man. That's, that's somebody. I'm like, I live in Florida. Where, boy, you live in Mississippi. It's a swamp. You're going to get hurt. You're always taking pictures of spiders putting on your Facebook. You get hurt, son. Oh, I keep an eye on him. Number two, most likely to make little out of a life full of bad decisions. And number one, to wake up every day facing waterfront property, living in a van down by a river. <laughs> I love that one. I love that one. My high school prophecy for myself that my classmates wrote was most likely to become a preacher and play in the NFL. It was like a Reggie White that was white. <laughs> you know, that was, was kind of what they had. Most likely to play in the NFL and be a preacher. I was good at football. I will not pretend. I, I would get on the football field. I would kind of play defensive tackle and offensive guard. I would kind of get into a rage. You know, off the field, I'm like president of FCA and preaching at church some and teaching Sunday school to kids. On the field, I became a new man. Kind of like maybe your husband does when he goes to his man cave. I just became a new man. Matter of fact, I would slobber as I was playing football to the point they called me the beast on the field. Nobody after a game ever wanted to hug me, especially not people who had not played. They're like, what is that on his chest? Somebody call somebody. So 
they had this dream for me. People said, you can do this. And so um, so I, I went to play college football and, um, and went to, uh, to play out west Air Force, a Division I school. And it was really cool for about a year. And then I just started to lose interest. I just started to lose kind of steam. Something wasn't cranking for me, finished my freshman year, got in my sophomore year, 95, and that senior prophecy just wasn't coming. I'd had a neck injury, some things had happened. So I made a, a radical life decision, but to understand kind of where I was going, you have to understand where I came from. I was born in Bay Springs, raised in Raleigh, down Highway 18. My dad worked for Georgia Pacific, got transferred to Talladega. In Talladega, one day when I was seven years old, I came home and my dad had packed up all his stuff, including a mattress, and put it on his truck and was driving away. So at seven, I watched my dad pack up and leave us, my mom, my, my one-year-old brother and I. And I didn't believe it was real. Up until then, my, my dad had been my whole world. It was raining that day. It was raining. It was around noon that day. And as my dad left, I sat on the carport. There was this old bag of cement, and I sat down and watched him leave. And I kept watching from my carport thinking he'd come back. And I was praying as a seven-year-old that he'd come back. I fell asleep on that cement bag. I woke up, and he had not come back. We moved back to Mississippi. My mom married a guy from Morton. He was a, a Vietnam vet that was alcoholic and unemployed. Life was hard. But when I was 12 years old, they have, some people invited me to church on Highway 80 in Calum, Mississippi. And some friends of mine invited me, and I heard there was food there, so I said yes. I went, and real, I felt love like I'd never felt before. I felt a sense of family like I'd never felt before. Within four or five months, I gave my heart to Jesus. And, I, and pretty quickly, I knew he wanted me to do something about it. I wanted God to be first in my life. And so when I say a dream, a dream that we might have, you know, the kind of dream Cornelius had was a home where God is first. That's the dream he had. And that was a dream I had when I was really young. And I tried to witness to my stepdad, my mom, my brother. My brother got saved within a week because he got scared I was going to beat him up. He was only six. This is how I learned how to do youth ministry as well. But, um... Mom ended up leaving and taking us with her. We kind of started over in Forest and got into another good church, got into playing football. But in 1994, at age 19, I still had this yearning to make a difference, to do something for God, not just to do something for myself. So in 1995, our team, my third year of college, our team was playing Notre Dame on national TV, and they beat them with a last-second field goal. But that afternoon, I wasn't with them in Colorado. I wasn't at Notre Dame. I wasn't at South Bend with my team. That day, I was in Jackson, Mississippi, because eight months earlier, I left my scholarship to move back to, to Mississippi, and I became a youth pastor. And the day that our team was beating Notre Dame, I was beating the snot out of Robert Andrews and five of his friends in, in uh, tackle football. And you know what? I couldn't have been happier. Well, actually, I could have been happier thinking about the youth group that we had and some of the people that were in it. Somebody said, have you listened to our podcast? 
I said, oh, what, 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 tell me about it. Well, you know, we record what Pastor Robert says at church on Sunday. I'm like, oh, I've done that before. When he was 12 and 13, I brought a tape recorder to Sunday school because nobody believed that a kid would tell dirty jokes during church. So I wanted to make my own. The very first podcast, okay, in 1995 was him talking a little different during church. But I did some praying, did some believing. And I realized, you know, God had a dream for me, but he also had a dream for him and for all these other guys and girls in our youth group. And God did some special stuff in those couple of years. He really did. But the, the big dream, the big miracle that you see is that a bunch of guys and girls put God first, gave their hearts to Jesus, and had a dream to have a God-first house. Put God first in the middle of their household. A home where God is first. A home where God is first. That, that might be your dream. Things may not be so good at home. Might not be so good with you. You know, Cornelius had to have a dream for him to get pulled towards some believers. Maybe somebody's been texting you, inviting you to church. Maybe you kept seeing it pop up on Facebook. Maybe, maybe you don't even know why you came to church recently and started coming back or coming to church. You just knew that some, for some reason God's drawing you like Cornelius. See, the good thing about dreams is when God shows us, he gives us a chance to choose it. He starts it with the dream. They get a chance to hear. And once they get a chance to hear, they get a chance to believe. It's really cool how Cornelius, because of Peter coming to his house, Cornelius steps out on faith. And in chapter 10, verses 43 and 44, I think I have them here. There's a picture of what happened here to him. So Peter says to Cornelius' people, as he walks into his house, he says to Jesus, all the prophets witnessed that through his name, Whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. While Peter was still think, speaking these words, Peter's got a four-sentence message to this house. While he's still speaking it, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. Cornelius' dream came true. Can you imagine how happy he was to step out on faith, send his men to get this disciple, this apostle, to come to his house, even though he's got a violent past, even though he's got problems, he still had a dream for his house, for his family, for his future. And then he saw God bring that dream to pass, dreams that change everything. How about, a, how about another dream? Look at verses 12 and 15 in chapter 11. This is Peter's dream. The Spirit told me to, to go with these men, doubting nothing. Moreover, these six men accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, as upon us at the beginning. He said, it's just like it happened to us, it happened to these guys. I like how chapter 10 talks about it, real time. It says, all the men that came with, Jesus, with Peter, the circumcised believers, they were amazed. They could not believe that God changed these folk. They were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. These were the people farthest from God. The race of people, the class of people farthest from God, and the head of the household is the enemy of the Jewish state, working for the Roman government as a soldier. But there's dreams that change everything, and here's another kind of dream. A future 
where anything is possible. A future where anything is possible. See, that's what God did in Peter's heart. Peter and the guys with him, they had to believe that anything was possible. That God wasn't in it just to save and seek the people who were good folk, the people who had some church background. But God had a plan to reach these people as well, a future where anything was possible. Peter and these six guys leave Joppa and do something absolutely bananas, crazy, cray-cray. They leave Joppa and go to Caesarea, and they walk into a Roman soldier's house. Hey, Roman soldiers had killed Jesus. This is a risk. This could be a trap. But they had watched Jesus rise from the dead on the third day, and they had to believe that they trusted a God that could make anything possible. So they had a dream of a future where all things were possible, where anything was possible. So they do crazy things to reach these Gentiles. Churches will do crazy things, won't they? We were in Ireland doing missions for six years. We saw about 18 people go to full-time ministry and missions. We saw a lot of great things happen, lots of churches planted. Lots of my friends really stepped out in their calling and anointing. It was awesome. It was also like 55 degrees all year. It was awesome. They served breakfast all day. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. It was a good place. We enjoyed it. We loved it. And um, we finished well and came back, and now we oversee a lot of missionaries and send out a lot of mission teams from Florida, from our church down there. But while we were there, I started realizing we'd done some crazy things, but things were starting to get kind of comfortable at church. We had moved from a hotel to a community center, and the community center gave us, went from giving us one service to giving us three services every Sunday because we didn't have enough space, so we just had three services on Sunday. But we kind of got comfortable with that even. People coming in by the hundreds to church and everybody serving their heart out, set up, break down, set up, break down. Some of you guys know what that's all about. You did that for over a year here with Elevate, went into a school, had to use a restaurant a time or two, a coffee shop just to have church, crazy things. So God, just mess with me. You need to do something crazy. You need to meet some lost people. And then the lost people came and found me. Some guys requested a meeting. Some football players in Ireland. This football team wanted to meet me, like American football players. They were Irish, but they played American football, not soccer, that weird sport. All right, so come on, I'm in Mississippi. This is where football's real, okay? So they, they asked to meet with me, and these guys from the Craig Avenue Cowboys sit down with me, and they say, um, we want to have, you know, we love your, your experience. Can you help us? I'm like, I'd love to coach. I got some ideas. I gave them some ideas. You heard of the read option? Yeah, we'd like to do that. I gave them some ideas. We finished the meeting. They go, what's your helmet size? I said, I'm 38. I'm, I'm 20 years past my prime. I have a bad neck and bad knees. They go, oh, yeah, you'll fit right in. So I show up for practice the next week, and the next week we have a game. I'm the starting left tackle for the Craig Avon Cowboys at 38 years old. I'm in so much pain. We win, we're winning the game. We go up 22-0 in the first half. I am bowling over some Irish 150-year-old boys. It's amazing. I loved it. It was like being a youth pastor again. Um, and, and there I was. Halftime comes around. 
All the guys are standing in a circle. I'm thinking, oh, they're going to be stretching. So I go over, and they're in a circle, the team. They're going to do some stretches, right? No, they're not stretching. They're smoking cigarettes at halftime, wearing full pads. I don't, I, don't, I don't smoke cigarettes or anything. So the next week rolled around. I came to the circle. I brought a donut. This is how we do halftime. I'm loving this sport. This is a great sport. It's funny. I met a lot, a lot of lost guys. I played three seasons with them. After, after a season or two, I got to know a lot of their stories, a lot of their trials, a lot of their struggles. Three of those guys came to church, not while I played, but they waited until I retired. They even voted me to the All-Ireland football team, which speaks less to my skill level and more to theirs, if you know what I'm saying. But uh, it was funny. One day I was preaching with a cracked rib after a game, and somebody reminded me, remember that senior prophecy? You play professional football and be a preacher? I said, yeah, it hasn't worked out like I thought it would. <laughs> but it was so funny. We do crazy things to reach people with the gospel, don't we? And we do it because we believe in a future where anything is possible. That's a dream worth having. That's a dream worth having. And Cornelius had a dream. Peter had this dream to reach everyone to where the guys with him were amazed. They couldn't believe what had happened to these Gentiles. Come on, Elevate. Can we have that kind of dream around here? I hope you didn't lose it whenever you left the school. I hope you didn't finally say, oh, we've arrived when you got to this building. Come on, we got to keep that dream alive. A future where anything is possible. A future where people are, are, are standing up at the door when church is, is it's opening at 9 o'clock, ready to get in. Where people can't wait to come to church. Where people are asking and having needs and altars are flooded. And people are baptized so much, the water gets dirty and grimy. You know what I'm saying? When you have so many baptisms. All right, if you haven't been baptized, don't think about that. But, you know, we got a dream, don't we, for the church? For what God's going to do here, and we'll do crazy things to see it happen. Dreams that change everything. And then chapter 11, here's the third dream. Verses 1 and 2. Chapter 11. So that's, that's verse 47. That's how they felt. All right. Now the apostles and brethren who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. This is the meeting after the meeting. This is when they do something bold for God, and then some people want to meet with them and say, we can't believe you did this. Almost sounds like the Pharisees with Jesus. You went into uncircumcised men. Uncircumcised men, what? Um, you went into uncircumcised men and ate with them. Next verse. There is a next verse, right? Okay, good. He, he tells a story. And then they're convinced. He says in verse 17, if God gave to them the same gift he gave to us after believing the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? Who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they quieted down. They glorified God saying, well then, God has granted to the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. I'm wrapping up here, but the third dream here that I wrote down and believe for Elevate is a church where anyone can make a difference. A church where anyone can make a difference. I preached a version of this message um, when we dedicated my daughter, Trinity, five years ago in Ireland. And when I was thinking about coming to be with you guys today, 
it really hit me that, that um, this, this verse, this scripture, and this message is on my heart, and I want to preach it again to an extent. But God messed with me on this last point because when I first preached it, it was a church where everyone's welcome. And kind of in the last five years, I've kind of come to a point where I'm, I would kind of say a church where everyone's welcome is kind of a low bar to set, isn't it? If we can just be a church where everybody's welcome. I mean, aren't we Christians? <laughs> Didn't Jesus die once and for all? So God started to mess with me about maybe more than just a person can attend, more than where a person might just feel welcome. What if we had a dream for a church where anyone can make a difference? where anyone can find Jesus and be discipled, where anyone can find Jesus and be developed, where anyone can find Jesus and get on the serving teams and dream team here and be a part of what God's doing, where anyone can, can come up through this church and be sent out into the earth for Jesus, a church where anyone can make a difference. When I was a couple years ago in Ireland, I was, after beating up people on Sundays, uh, not at church, but at football, um, I kind of got to a place, something was going on in my heart. I didn't know what it was. I was struggling in prayer time, struggling with God on some things. So I went to this spiritual retreat, and a friend of mine was speaking at it. And he said, I want you to think about disappointment. I want you to think about maybe you're disappointed at something God did or didn't do. And I, I was just, I said, okay, I've done this before. Let me think of some things God did or didn't do that disappointed me. I thought of being a kid, thought of, um, thought of not getting a girlfriend for a while, thought of not getting married until I was 29. I have an incredible wife that's followed me to the edge of the earth and back, but I was disappointed for some years. We had a couple of miscarriages. I was disappointed. I was hurt. And a friend of mine said, bow your head, close your eyes, and I'm going to pray that God shows you a picture of a time you were disappointed. I said, I've done this a thousand times. I'm just going to think of one of these things that happened. I closed my eyes, and I didn't see John at 19 playing football. I didn't see John trying to find a girlfriend at 25. I didn't see John crying at his grandpa's funeral. I didn't see John at the hospital after a miscarriage. I closed my eyes, and I saw a picture of a seven-year-old boy lying on a bag of cement. And Jesus told me, I was there with you that day. See, my whole life I had thought, like, that I found Jesus at 12. But that day Jesus showed me, like he never did before, son, I was with you all along. Every day you were hurt and broken, I was there. And I was just waiting for you when you were 12. It's the same kind of God that takes a 12 or 13-year-old boy from a single mom household who lost his dad in a tragic, tragic time to become a pastor of one of the fastest-growing churches in Mississippi. It's the same kind of God that will raise up a kid that quite possibly colluded with Russians to win the presidential election of our youth group in 1995, okay? Because how did he win that? Quite possibly. I'm like, how is he president of our youth group? Is he even saved? He is now, trust me. Um, to see the road that you and Amanda have walked, 
to see the road you as a church have walked. I can't think of many churches who have walked a more difficult road and done more extreme things for Jesus to reach the lost and to believe the dream for a life-giving church that will reach people right where they're at, right here in Vicksburg, Mississippi. I can't think of any church like this on the planet. But can we have a dream that we won't become content that we got this far, that every seat's full? Can we have a dream and understand there's still thousands of people outside these doors that haven't felt welcomed or empowered or that haven't felt like they could make a difference in a church? Can we have a dream for a church where anyone, that seven-year-old kid whose dad leaves, that 12-year-old who shows up at youth group alone, where anyone can make a difference for God with their life. We have that dream. Amen. The worship team's going to come. I'm going to ask you to stand right now with me. Anytime we preach about dreams and disappointments even, I know there's a few types of people in the room I'd ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. You know, Cornelius had this dream to see his house changed, to see his life changed. Peter had this dream to go and do something new for God and be bold. The church had a dream to reach new people. Maybe today, your dream that will change everything, maybe you're a believer, And maybe there's still that dream on the inside and you're not seeing it come to pass, but you know God gave it to you. You know God gave you that dream for that marriage or that child or or that job or that opportunity. You know that dream is real. And today you just need to know that Jesus has been with you even when you've been disappointed. Today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm not going to call you up front. But I, that was me a couple of years ago, like saying, God, why haven't some of my dreams come true? And God showed up to me so powerfully that day and spoke to me that he's been with me all the way, and I can trust him as far as he'll take me. So I would ask you, if there's a dream in your heart, and you're like me, you're stuck waiting, and you've been disappointed, but you're going to keep on trusting and keep believing for God to see it come true. Would you just lift your hand right now so I can pray with you? I'll say a prayer over you today. I just saw God do mighty things in my life. Amen, 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 amen. Hands all over the room. Amen, amen. Thank you, God. God, for all those who just lifted their hands, you've put something in their heart. And Lord, we pray that they would write down the vision and see that you bring it to pass, that it would, that it would not tarry. We know there's no vision. People perish. These folks have vision. They have dreams. Jesus, right now, we ask that they would they would put you first in their life, and they would see you make things come to pass. They trust you all the way. Lord, you've seen them in their disappointment. You've heard every prayer. Like Cornelius, like Peter, you've been listening. We pray you show up in a mighty way in every one of their lives. Maybe today your dream is just for you or even maybe your household to come to faith, to come to Christ. Maybe like Cornelius, you've done some bad things. You feel far from God. But for some reason, you've ended up in church today. And you know that you need to commit or recommit your life to Jesus Christ. I want to pray a prayer with you. 
And I would ask you, if that's you, to, to mean it with your heart and to say it with your mouth. Because this is your moment. This is why we do so many crazy things, to see you come to Christ. So today, if you need to commit or recommit your life to Jesus Christ, I would ask you to say a prayer with me out loud. And church, would you pray it as well as an affirmation of your faith? Pray with me. Father God, thank you for loving me. I know you see me. I know you know me. I pray today, Lord, that you would forgive me of my sins. Jesus, today, you're my Lord, and you're my Savior. I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name. If you keep your heads bowed for just a moment, if today you prayed that prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time, can I just see your hands so I can celebrate with you? Put it up. Amen. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Come on, man. Amen. Amen. Salvation's come to your house today, and you might be the only one in your house, but you're not the only one in your house. Jesus is with you. And you're in a house full of believers, amen, that will support you and encourage you. I want to encourage you. If you gave your heart to Christ today, Pastor Roberts and the team will come around. They'll encourage you on your next steps. But I'm so proud of you, so thankful for you. This is the first time I've preached since November 20th, 19, uh, 1916, 2016, my last day in Ireland. I had a, a break, had a torn up knee, had some surgery, been on drugs, including today. Um, and... Uh, I just knew God wanted me to speak today. I knew he had some hearts he wanted to reach. You're in the right place at the right time. We thank God for you. God, thank you for all you've done. Thank you for those who lifted their hands today to commit or recommit their lives to you. I thank you for this church. I thank you for Pastor Robert and Amanda. I ask you bless them, Lord, and bless this church in the season to come. All you're going to do, in Jesus' name, amen. And amen. We'd like to thank you for listening and encourage you to visit our website at www.elevatechurch.ms so you can learn more about being blessed and blessing others at Elevate Church.